Hello and welcome to the special Dry Bones Ministries podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. My name is Father Adam Potter, and today we reflect on the 17th letter. If I were to title this letter, it would be called Gluttony. And if that were all I were to see, then that would lead me to think, Phew, this letter is not for me, I am off the hook. But of course, that would be misleading. As with each and every one of these letters, there seems to be something in in there that pricks my conscience and calls me out. So, in this letter, uh, as hopefully you've already found, we find that screw tape helps Wormwood understand some different intricacies to this deadly sin of gluttony. He rejoices with the fact that it's one of the most overlooked of the deadly sins, not even talked about or preached about by anyone. But of course, he emphasizes the difference between a gluttony of delicacy versus a gluttony of excess. All to see how it is connected ultimately to the virtue of chastity. So let's dive in. Screwtape opens this letter commenting that one of the greatest achievements of the last hundred years is that we humans seldom think of gluttony as a sin anymore and how it is rarely preached about. Do you think that's true? Whenever we talk about sins, the deadly sins, which ones do we talk about? And do we ever talk about gluttony? He says this is due to the fact that the demons focus more on the gluttony of delicacy and not the gluttony of excess. Did you catch the difference? Right? The gluttony of delicacy has to do with the preferences one has towards food, that it would be prepared in a certain way or that the quantity would be in a particular way, not too much or not too little. The gluttony of excess is more simply just has to do with the consumption of large quantities of food. So I don't know, which one are you more inclined towards? Which one am I more inclined towards? Uh, A good question maybe to consider as we start off in humility trying to, right? How do we approach this? Mm, with humility, how do I, how do I hold with confidence the fact that I know God wants me to be free, to be free from all sin, to be free of all attachments, to everything in this world, so that we might be free to cling to Him. So we go into this with confidence, right? He points out and introduces us to. Do we know this demon yet? Gosh, maybe it's, I'm kind of in a bad place. Um, well, he references the patient's mother's demon, Glubos, which if you haven't thought about it, the name is interesting as it probably is a combination of gluttony and obese. Gluttony, obese, and Glubos comes, kind of comes out of, and he's wicked. He brings the mother to be so ignorant to the reality of her slavery to food, all because her portions are small. Did you notice the behaviors of the patient's mother with regard toward gluttony of delicacy? She's a positive terror to the hostesses and servants. She's always turning from what has been offered her to say with a demure little sigh and a smile. Oh, please, please. All I want is a cup of tea. Uh, Weak, but not too weak. And the teeniest weeniest bit of really crisp toast. Sorry, that was my best uh, interpretation, impersonation rather. She even makes sure that she's not eating too much and will ask for less to make her feel temperate. Right? Did, are you getting the, the glimpse of this woman here? In so many ways, she's trying to 
trying to be proper, trying to be sensitive, and yet she really is a horror to everyone who's serving her. And yeah, that really just gives us a glimpse into this sin of gluttony. It's not out of excess, but in her desire to have it in a certain way, she's just bringing about all this uncharity and stirring up all this bitterness with all the people around her. And then in the beginning of the second paragraph, there is this really unnerving line about how Glubos's work has brought this woman to a place where, quote, her belly now dominates her whole life, end quote. Ah, this is, are you ready? Can we go here? I think looking at how her belly dominates her whole life might be an interesting turn to consider how our belly might dominate our whole life, right? So just for us to consider, so what's our experience of food? And I propose that for many 21st century Westerners, our lives might revolve around food. Is it the three meals a day or do I have a fourth somewhere in there too? Do I engage in an activity for a certain period of time with the end goal, lunch or dinner or the snack break? Do I always have a cabinet or a drawer where I know the snacks are going to be there to hold me over in between meals? And what happens if I don't have a meal at the time when I was expecting to eat? Oftentimes there's this chemical impulse going off in our brains. Get food, get food, emergency, we're going down. And we, like, we know this to be true because there's this new word out there, hangry. And for most people, this is very appropriate. Hungry plus angry is hangry. Ah, like why? What's our relationship to food? Brothers and sisters, mildly, do we have an unhealthy attachment? Or more forcefully, do we idolize it? Now, like idolize, that's talking about like worshiping a false god. Come on, that's a little strong, right? Like, I don't know, is it? I, it's interesting that the original sin had to do with food. Genesis 3, 6 says that the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was good for food. And I just wonder if there was a thought in Adam and Eve's mind, like, well, come on, if it's good for food and God give me an appetite, he wouldn't want me to say no. Then it's like, shoot. <laughs> like our first sin revolved around the failure to control our desire to eat. Why is self-control and self-discipline such an important part of the spiritual journey? And how does food then come in there to all of a sudden bring it right into the forefront? And it's interesting that the line that Screwtape keeps bringing up is slavery, slavery, that we don't have control over our bodies or over our impulses to eat, but it's actually the food that controls us. This is why I think fasting is so important. They would make intentional efforts during the day or during the week to deny ourselves this, this, this comfort of having this satisfaction or this full belly that we might show ourselves, I'm in control. I'm in control. I can deny myself this impulse and be okay. And if anything, come to a greater self-mastery and a clarity of mind and heart of what the true longings and desires of my heart are. Okay, so back to paragraph two, we find described the all I want state of mind that the patient's mother has. 
This is also generalized towards a particular temptation of gluttony that women have. Don't worry, screw tape, we'll get to men later. But this is a mentality that wants things done properly or in a certain way. By the way, this particular obsession is lived out. It seems like the mother is just, again, a menace to everyone around her. And Glubos works to make sure that she's a real pain to her son, too. But she justifies it and says, no, 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 I just like th- I'd like to have things nice for my boy. Meanwhile, she's controlling, rigid, and selfish that she can't see anyone else but herself through the lens of food. Moving on, we see in paragraph three that Screwtape believes that males are more inclined to an expression of gluttony that reveals itself in vanity because of their knowledge of food or their knowledge of a special restaurant that has the best food, that cooks the steaks the, the right way. And the hope then is that vanity will turn it into a habit. Habit. He's already talked about this in earlier chapters. These habits that then get reinforced, that then harden um, oneself to this way of thinking and keeping oneself actually open to enjoying things in the virtuous way. Quote, get him to the state where the denial of any one indulgence puts him out. Right? This is the idea of hangry. As soon as we don't get, don't get our food in our right way or have the food whenever we expected it, all of a sudden we lose all charity and throw it out the window. And then in uh, paragraph four, we see the connection made between gluttony and sexual immorality. They both have been misguided. They both have misguided thoughts. The connection is that they both have the misguided thought that quantity is better than quality, whether it be food or sex. The connection has everything to do with self-control because if I can control the impulse of my appetite, then I can control the impulse that I have for sex. It's the same will that says yes and the same will that says no. Now, I admit, this last part of the letter had me confused for much longer than I was hoping. And maybe you were able to figure out what Screwtape was talking about when he referenced the medical aspect of chastity. Screwtape points out the grand lie that physical exercise in excess and consequent fatigue are especially favorable to the virtue of chastity. This, of course, is ridiculous given the notorious lustfulness of sailors and soldiers. It seems to surround the idea, right, as I was thinking about this, that when one is physically tired, then they're less likely to be sexually motivated. And I guess this is why boys have been much more encouraged to go outside and to play games. To me, this seems like a dated reference to the 1940s. I I don't quite understand it. I guess that was the thought. They're like, oh, (laughs) need to get them out there and get them tired and and then they'll be better behaved or something. Um, Maybe a bridge that can bring us all together here. Uh, I love how St. Paul speaks to the value of athletic efforts and self-discipline. In his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 9, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable crown. 
Well, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I pummel my body and subdue it, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So I think we can say that physical exercise is raw material or potential for virtue, but it has to be done with intentionality. There's no special switch that after a certain amount of exercise or excess of exercise, that now one's sex drive has diminished. And similar to the difference between quantity and quality, there needs to be an emphasis on the type of exercise. Is it a serious athletic discipline that encourages virtue, selflessness, discipline, teamwork, and sacrifice? Okay, that now has the potential to be coupled with God's grace that I believe can create a saint. So a lot to think about and consider in this one. Uh, I think for most of us, yeah, this sin of gluttony might have a very different look to it. But can we look at it just again with confidence, with God's grace, we can overcome all sins and actually in understanding the power of God, his incredible love and gentleness, we have nothing to be afraid of and really coming to see how he's inviting us to freedom, to freedom for the good of what food is actually intended for, of understanding a reliance and a dependency on God to provide food. Food is a great way to connect us to one another. Food is even, a, so to speak, a love language to be able to create and share and provide. So food is such a great avenue for real charity and that we might in all humility see how the Lord's inviting us to grow in that freedom. And if fasting is not a part of our routine, I would challenge everyone who's listening to this to take it up, even if it's one day a week, that we might find traditionally Fridays are a day of fasting, Wednesdays too, um, where we would engage in this practice of fasting. Fasting, right? And this isn't just mm, saying no to a particular type of food. Fasting is engaging in a denial of the substance of food so that I might really experience a hunger within me. And that, when united in prayer to the Lord, is incredibly sanctifying. And not just naturally in growing in virtue, but even supernaturally as I allow the depths of the hunger of my heart to be revealed over the hunger of my body. Now, Fasting isn't for everyone. Of course, there are plenty of medical reasons or, yeah, other dietary reasons where maybe fasting isn't for you. Still, I remember St. Jose Maria Escriva said, at every single meal, we have an opportunity to have self-control and to deny ourselves something. That can be so little and just if it's a second portion of a food that we were really enjoying and would love maybe just one more portion of it, that we can say no and we can deny ourselves. And in that, no one has to see it. No one has to know. But in that little moment of denial, I'm gaining self-mastery. I'm gaining self-discipline and growing in virtue and showing myself that it's not food that controls me. It's I who control food and can allow it to be the force of true sustenance and growth and holiness. Who would have thought? There's a lot there in in that letter. So 
Let's pray asking God for his grace and his help, and especially the protection of St. Michael. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this special podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. If you'd like to support the work of Dry Bones Ministries, please visit drybonespgh.org. Let's keep each other in prayer so that we might persevere on this journey. God love you, and I will see you next time.